listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. First Kings chapter 19. Our series is called Desiring the Kingdom because as we're studying about these failed and flawed kings and failed kingdoms, what we are, what it does within us, it stirs up within us a desire for Jesus, the true king, and his eternal kingdom. Specifically right now, we're in a section which I really love in these books, which is the life of the prophet Elijah. Let's go ahead and pray as we begin. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us by your word and through your spirit. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that receive. Lord, hearts that respond to your word. We want to be those kinds of people, Lord. And we ask that you would do a transforming work in our lives as we hear your powerful word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things we see throughout the Bible, from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible, throughout the Bible, is that God speaks. He's a God who speaks to people. And a lot of people wonder, well, does God still speak in our present day? Does God still speak to people today? And if he does, what does that look like? Does it mean that you hear an audible voice? And what does that sound like? Does God have an accent of some kind? You know, How do you know if you're hearing his voice? And if it's not an audible sound that you hear, then what does it mean? to hear God's voice? What does it look like? You know, how do you know that some feeling or inclination that you have, that's not just, you know, something you came up with on your own. It's not just something in your own brain. How do you know that that's actually God speaking to you? Well, here in 1 Kings chapter 19, as Elijah the prophet is in a place of deep discouragement, God is going to speak to him. And as we study this passage, we're going to learn a lot about what it means for us to hear God's voice in our lives today. You know, specifically, what we're going to learn is this. Hearing God's voice involves expecting, receiving, and responding to what God says. Every week, I've been giving you the message condensed into one sentence. That sentence functions as our outline. But I want you to memorize it or write it down. Later on today, when somebody asks you, what did you guys talk about at church, instead of just saying, I don't know, the Bible or something, you're going to be able to tell them, here's what we talked about. Hearing God's voice involves expecting and receiving and responding to what God says. So let's take that sentence and let's study this passage through that outline, okay? All right, first of all, hearing God's voice involves expecting. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9 begins with these words. Then he, that's Elijah, came to a cave and he lodged in it. Listen, Elijah was discouraged. Elijah was discouraged, even to the point of being depressed. God had called Elijah to take a stand, to speak truth to power, to take a stand against an evil king and an evil queen who had introduced a terrible form of idolatry into the nation of Israel, in which the people worshipped by cutting themselves and even sacrificing their children on altars to a pagan god named Baal. The Lord was grieved by this, of course, not only because the people were turning away from him in their hearts and turning to this pagan god, but he was grieved because of the horrific things that they were doing in worship to Baal. And so God called Elijah to be his representative, to be the one who would call the people to repentance. And through Elijah, God sent the people of Israel two great signs, two great signs which would show them that Baal did not even exist and to show them that he alone was God. 
But what happened is, after the first sign, and then again after the second sign, in spite of these great signs, the evil king Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they still didn't have a change of heart. They saw these signs, but their, their hearts didn't change. And Jezebel even sent Elijah a message and told him that she was going to have him killed, have him murdered, assassinated. Well, listen, this wasn't the first time in Elijah's life that he had received a death threat. No, for, for three and a half years, he had been receiving death threats constantly. But you know what this was? This was kind of death by a thousand paper cuts, right? This was the final straw, the straw that broke the camel's back. It was that one thing that finally tipped Elijah over the edge. You see, for three and a half years, Elijah's been running for his life Everybody hates him. Everybody wants him dead. He preaches, and nobody seems to be listening. And he's tired. He's worn out. He says, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Three and a half years of doing what God told me to do. And what do I have to show for it? Nothing. And so you know what Elijah did? He quit. No two weeks notice, nothing. Just packed up his stuff and walked out of the office, right? He's done. He's out of here. Rather than standing his ground anymore, Elijah says, you know what? I'm done. And Elijah runs away. How many of you guys have ever done that in some area of your life? You know, you're facing trouble, and you know what? You're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done fighting. I'm just going to run away from my problems. I'm going to hide from my problems. Well, that's what Elijah's doing here. God had called him to be a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, but Elijah abandoned his post. He left the kingdom of Israel, and he went as far away as he possibly could, all the way down to the desert of Arabia. You know what Elijah's doing here? He's pulling a Jonah, isn't he? You guys remember Jonah, right? God told Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach to the Assyrians. And Jonah was like, I don't really want to. And so Jonah got on a boat going the opposite direction from where God called him to be. He was running away from God's calling for, for, for his life. And that's exactly what Elijah's doing right here. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that Elijah is abandoning his post? Well, here's why. Look at what it says in verse 9. He came to this cave, he lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, Elijah doesn't belong here. This isn't where Elijah is supposed to be. Elijah's place is in Israel. His calling from God didn't change just because things got hard. Guys, let me say that to you. That's true for you and me as well. Do you know that? Your calling from God doesn't change just because things get hard. Elijah, in his discouragement, he quits. He walks away. He walks out. Verse 9, it says, he came to a cave and he lodged in it. Now, where is there? Where exactly is Elijah at this point? Well, verse 8 tells us, the, the previous verse to where we started tells us this, that Elijah was on his way to a place called Horeb, which is also called the mountain of God. Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, which is the place where God spoke the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 20. It's the place where in Exodus chapter 34, God revealed his glory to Moses as Moses hid in the cleft of the rock. That was here on Horeb, Mount Sinai. And so it's in this place, the same place, Horeb, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, where Elijah now comes. And that's interesting. 
Why would he come to this place? Here's what it tells us. Even though Elijah is running away from God's calling on his life, Elijah is not running away from God. It's almost as if he's running away from his calling on life, but Elijah's kind of running towards God at the same time. See, Elijah's not in a good place, but he hasn't turned his back on the Lord. In his depression, in his discouragement, he knows that what he needs is to meet with God and to hear from God. And so what does he do? He goes to this one place where he knows that God has revealed himself in the past, that God has spoken in the past. And it says that he went into this cave. You know, some people believe this was actually the same cave where God revealed himself to Moses, where Moses hid when God showed him his glory. But either way, the whole reason Elijah has come to this place is because he's hoping and desiring to have an encounter with God. Guys, does God still speak today? I believe that he does. You know why? Because he says in his word, God says in his word that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have a big theological word for that. We call that the immutability of God. It means that God does not change. God cannot change. And so just as God spoke in the past, God still speaks today. But, but how do we hear God speak? How does God speak? How do we hear his voice? Well, notice what it says there in verse 9. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. So it doesn't say that he heard an audible voice speaking to him. Maybe you would be sitting right next to Elijah there in the cave, and Elijah's hearing from God, but you're not hearing any sounds in your ears. It seems that Elijah sensed that God was communicating to him. Listen, when it comes to hearing God's voice, the most reliable, the most certain, the most consistent way for you to hear God's voice is to immerse yourself in the words of Scripture by studying the Bible and reading the Bible. When you read the Bible, it tunes your heart in to the voice of God. When you read the Bible, here's the other thing it does. It familiarizes you with God's voice, the kinds of things that he thinks, the kinds of things that he says. It familiarizes you with his voice. How many of you right now, as you're sitting there, you can conjure up the voice of somebody in your head who you know that person's voice so, it's so familiar to you. You know the way they speak. You know the words that they use. It's almost as if you can hear their voice in your head. You would recognize that voice anywhere if you heard it. You know, they say that doctors tell us that children in the mother's womb, like infants, babies in their mother's womb, they are able to recognize their mother's voice and they'll respond to their mother's voice. They can also differentiate between the voice of their mother and the voice of, of someone else. Now, how is that? Isn't that interesting? They've never seen their mother and yet they know her voice. Why? because they become familiar to her voice through hearing it constantly. It's a voice that they hear more often than any other voice. So let me ask you this. What voices are you listening to the most? What voices are you listening to the most? You know, right now, more than any other time perhaps in history, there are so many voices out there that you can be listening to. There are so many voices out there that want your attention, that want to be listened to. And you know what? They're not all bad. But which voices do you spend the most time listening to? What are the voices that fill your ears and fill your head and shape your heart day in and day out? Listen, it used to be that everybody had an opinion 
But now, not only does everybody have an opinion, now everybody has a platform for that opinion. And you can spend all your time listening to the voices of political pundits. You can spend all your time reading all kinds of articles. You can spend all your time listening to the voices of people on social media. And there's a big temptation to do that, especially with everything going on right now. But I want to challenge you to spend less time listening to all those other voices, and spend more time listening to the voice of the Lord, the voice of God, just like a baby in its mother's womb. Whose voice do you want to be most familiar with? Whose voice do you want to listen to the most? Whose voice do you want filling your mind and your heart the most? You know, as you immerse yourself in the Word of God, it tunes your heart in to God's voice, and it familiarizes you with the voice of the Lord so that when God speaks, you recognize his voice. You know, Jesus described himself as the good shepherd. And he said, my sheep, they know my voice, and they won't follow the voice of another. It's kind of like Siri, just in between services, I was trying to send a message using Siri on somebody else's phone, and it wouldn't send it. It didn't recognize my voice. It wouldn't listen to my voice because it knew that I wasn't the owner, right? It's the same idea. You know, even though God speaks to us through his word, through the Bible, the Bible isn't the only way that God speaks to us. We see this throughout scripture as well. God speaks through his word, and he also speaks by his spirit, through his word and by his spirit. Guys, let me tell you this. God wants to speak to you uniquely, individually. He wants to guide your life. He wants to speak to you in the situations that you're facing throughout the week. As you read and study the Bible, you get to know God's voice. You get to know God's heart. You get to know the kinds of things that God says and thinks so that you recognize his voice when you hear it and you won't follow the voice of another. So Elijah, he comes to this place. I want you to notice this. He comes to this place expecting to hear from God. In other words, it doesn't just matter that you read your Bible. It also matters how you read your Bible. When you, when you open your Bible, it doesn't just matter that you read it. It matters how you read it. So when you open your Bible, do you come with a sense of expectation that God is going to speak to you? When you come to church or, or to community group, be like Elijah coming to this cave, right? You're seeking out those places where God speaks, and you have this sense of expectancy that God is going to speak, and you're ready. You're listening. As you go about your day, have this attentive spirit that wants to hear from God as he's speaking to you by his spirit. So here's Elijah. He comes to this cave, and God asks him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replies in verse 10, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They have cast down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I alone, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. You know what Elijah's doing? He's having a pity party, and he's the guest of honor, isn't he, right? He's, uh, he's feeling sorry for himself. He's kind of patting himself on the back. He's kind of tooting his own horn, singing his own praises. How many of you have ever found yourself thinking these kind of thoughts, having this monologue in your head, you know, with yourself about your job or about your life at home where you're just thinking to yourself, you know what? I do everything around here. I'm the only one who really cares. I'm the only one who does anything. Nobody ever appreciates it. Everybody else around here, they would fall apart if I was around here. They don't appreciate me, and I get nothing in return for all that I do. Listen, Elijah is completely focused on himself. Do you see that? And he's, he's a little bit self-righteous, isn't he? 
He's talking about how zealous he is, how zealous he is for the Lord, how he's the only real believer left out there. That's not true, not even by a long shot. We're going to see that later on in this same chapter. He's also a little bit resentful, isn't he, right? He seems to be communicating that he deserves more than he's received because of all that he's done. I think we can all tend to get in this mode sometimes where we say things like this. We say, God, don't you see how much I do for you? Like, I go to church. One time I read the book of Leviticus. It was hard. <laughs> I, I give money to the church. I help other people out. I try really hard to live a good life. Don't you see all the things that I do, God? So why are you letting this thing happen to me? This isn't fair. I deserve better than this for all that I've done. I get this. This isn't fair. And look at how God responds. Verse 11, he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke the pieces into pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And it says in verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. You know, Elijah expected that God was going to speak to him through some big sign, just as he had in the past, right? Like maybe in, through an earthquake or through a tornado. But instead, God speaks to him through a gentle whisper. In order to hear what God was saying to him, what did Elijah have to do? He had to quiet himself down. He had to stop. He had to listen. You know, maybe there's some of you, and, and you're waiting for God to speak to you by giving you a big sign. But instead, the way that God's going to speak to you is in a low whisper. You know, sometimes my kids, they, will, they like to whisper to me. And in order to hear them when they whisper, what do I have to do? I have to pause the video. I have to stop the music. I have to take out the earbuds, right? And I have to lean in, and you have to listen attentively. Maybe God is speaking to you, but there's just so much noise in your life that you can't hear what he's saying to you. Maybe there are some of you and you need to do this. You need to take some time to be still. You need to put down your phone. You need to wait on him in silence. One of the pictures the Bible gives us of what it means to have a relationship with God is this idea, this picture of walking with God. That's a phrase that's used several times in the Bible. Walking with God is a depictor of what it means to have a relationship with God. It's this idea, this word picture that, that shows us a, a child holding the hand of their father, walking hand in hand. And as you walk, what do you do? Well, you're talking, and you're listening, and you're going where your dad leads you. You know, I think so many of us in, in our lives, instead of walking and listening, we're driving 100 miles an hour with the music turned up. And we figure, if God wants to tell us something, I'm sure he'll text us because he understands how busy we are, right? Sometimes we need to slow down, and we need to walk, and we need to listen. Hearing God's voice, it involves expecting. That's that heart of expectation. But it also involves Receiving. That's the second part here, receiving. You know, one of our core values here at Whitefields is that we say we desire to be receptive to the word of God, receptive to God's word. What does it mean to be receptive to the word of God? Well, look at what Elijah does when God speaks. Verse 13 says, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. This is an act of humility. And then verse 13, behold, there came a voice that said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Notice that's the same question that God asked him before, isn't it? 
Don't be surprised if when God speaks to you, he speaks to you something that he's spoken to you before. Don't be surprised. Sometimes I think we, we expect that, hey, when God speaks to me, it's going to be this new revelation, something nobody's ever heard before. It's going to blow everybody's mind. It's going to be incredible. But when God speaks, sometimes he's going to speak to you things that he's spoken to you before. You know, many times I've found that God will continue to speak to you about something until that area's settled. And it's only after that that he'll begin speaking to you about something else. We'll look at verse 14. Elijah responds with the same response. I've been very jealous for the Lord, for the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. You know, Elijah, he's stuck on this, isn't he? He seems to be crippled by the sense of introspection. Did you know that? That you can be so introspective that it cripples your life, that it makes you stuck. It's not good, guys. It's not healthy for you to be thinking about yourself all the time. It's not healthy for you to be feeling sorry for yourself. This is a surefire recipe for depression. So, so what's the remedy? Well, look at verse 15. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Israel. The remedy for excessive introspection is to get your eyes off of yourself and get focused on God's purpose and calling for your life. Here's what's interesting. You know, God listens to Elijah's complaint. He lets Elijah vent. He lets him get it all out. But notice this. When he speaks to Elijah, he doesn't actually talk to him about what Elijah complained about, did he? He just says, OK, I heard you. Now it's time to get back to work. He redirects him. He sends him back into his mission, back into his same calling that he had before. God sends him back into the field, right back where he came from. He says, Elijah, listen, you just be faithful to what I called you to do. You let me worry about the results. You let me worry about the results. You do what I called you to do. Elijah might have said, but what if I go back and Jezebel kills me? God would have said, well, then you're going to die doing what I called you to do. You let me worry about that. You get back out there and do what I've called you to do. You leave the rest up to me. Maybe there are some of you here today, and you need to be reminded of that same thing. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do in, in your work, in your family, in your relationship with him? In whatever area of your life, take the next step in that calling from God. God goes on in verse 16, Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you, you shall anoint to be king of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. So not only is God calling Elijah to return to his calling, God is calling him to raise up and mentor a successor, to bring a young man under his wing who he's going to train up and raise to be the next prophet. Listen, let me give you two quick principles from this passage in regard to how to recognize God's voice. How to recognize God's voice. In other words, how do you know if what you're hearing is from God or if it's just something you came up with on your own? Well, here's the first one, how to recognize God's voice. Number one, it will be in alignment with God's word. It'll be in alignment with God's word. The spirit of God does not contradict the word of God. God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. He doesn't say one thing one day and then another thing another day. Notice this, God's word to Elijah here in chapter 19, it's completely consistent with what God has spoken to Elijah thus far. 
So if you want to know that you're truly hearing God's voice, ask the question, does it line up with what God has already spoken in his word? If you, if you come to me and you say, well, you know what? I think God is leading me. Oh, what's God leading you to do? Well, God's leading me to leave my family and shoot drugs in my eyeballs and kill the president. And I'd say, I don't think that's God, right? I think that's something else, but it's not God. But if you say, no, instead, I feel called by God to, to love my neighbors and serve them. Well, that sounds a lot more like the God that we know from the scriptures, right? OK, so it's in alignment with the word of God. The second one, and this is interesting, it's not always what you want to hear. It's not always going to be what you want to hear. Notice, God calls Elijah to do something that Elijah doesn't want to do. Go back. Continue your ministry. Go back where you came from. That's not what Elijah wants to hear. Listen, guys, if God really exists, and he's not just a figment of your imagination, if he's not just a creation of your own, then you should expect that he's sometimes going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. He's sometimes going to tell you to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, that you wouldn't do if it was just up to you, if you were just on your own. He's going to call you to do things that will stretch you. They might be hard for you. They're going to be good for you, though, but they'll be hard for you. They're things that you wouldn't necessarily do on your own. You know, to love your enemies, to forgive those who sin against you, that's not easy. It's not something we would do on our own if it was left up to us, but it is good for us. You see, when God speaks to you, one sign that it's God speaking and not just your own head telling you to do things is that God will call you to do things which you wouldn't have done on your own, but they align with his will. And if it's really God, it's not always going to be what you want to hear, and you should be ready for that. See, listen, Elijah, he receives the word from the Lord, and we see that in this. He doesn't argue. He doesn't push back. You know, this message to go back and continue his ministry, this isn't what Elijah wanted to hear. Sometimes our tendency is when we hear something that we don't want to hear, what do we do? We close our ears. We say no. We immediately reject it. We come up with reasons and excuses why we can't do it, why we won't do it. But Elijah doesn't do that here, does he? He hears the word of the Lord. He doesn't argue. He receives it. It's not what he wanted to hear, but he says, OK. That's what it means to receive the word of the Lord. But we don't just stop at receiving the word of the Lord, do we? Hearing, from, hearing God's voice involves expecting, receiving, and finally, responding, responding to what God says. God tells Elijah in verse 18, he says, Elijah, you know what? There are 7,000 people in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. 7,000 people in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Remember, Elijah thought that he was the only one. He says, I'm the only one who's faithful. I'm the only one left. And God says, no, 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 Elijah, there are thousands. You just don't know about them. Elijah felt like his ministry was totally fruitless, like nobody cared, that nobody listened, that all of his efforts were in vain, that it was just a waste but that wasn't the case at all. There was a lot more going on than what Elijah saw, than what Elijah realized, than what Elijah knew about. There were all these people, thousands, who unbeknownst to Elijah, they had been affected by his ministry. They had been encouraged by his ministry. It wasn't all in vain, even though Elijah couldn't see all the results and all the things that God was doing through his ministry. Listen, the point for us is this. As you are faithful to do what God has called you to do, you may never see all the fruit that God is going to bring out of it. God is going to do things that you will never know about. Your calling is to be faithful to do what he calls you to do. You know, I was thinking about this in regard to myself. 
I gave my life to the Lord when I was in high school. I was 16 years old. And there was this friend of mine who lived around the corner from me. And I drove her to school every day. So I drive her to school, and I drive her home from school. And she was a Christian. And she started talking to me about the gospel and about Jesus and about my life while we would drive to and from school. We lived pretty far from the school. We lived like 20 minutes away. And so it was a lot of time spent in the car with her. And over the course of several months, these conversations went on about Jesus and about Christianity. But when I finally came to the point of putting down my yes and, and really committing my life, giving my life over to the Lord, it happened during Christmas break. But the other thing that happened during Christmas break is that this girl, who I was riding to school with every day, well, she um, had gone to visit family in Portland over Christmas break. And then she decided to stay there and live with those relatives and not come home. So I just never saw her again, right? And this was like before smartphones and internet and all that stuff. And so I never had the opportunity to tell her how what she had done, you know, and how she had talked to me and how God had used her in my life. And I always wished, man, I wish I had the opportunity to share that with her. But as, as time went on, you know, I got connected with the church. I started serving in that church. Years later, I became a missionary in Hungary. And we, we planted a church. I was pastoring that church. And one day, it was a Sunday, I was getting ready. I was heading out the door. And I just happened to you know, stop by the laptop. I checked my MySpace, as we did back in the mid-2000s, right? I checked my MySpace. And it had been eight years, right, since this all happened. But I got this message, you know, personal message on MySpace from that girl saying, hey, what's new, you know? And I'm like, well, actually a lot. So, you know, I started telling her. I, I stopped right there. And I was like, I got to just write her right now. And so I was so excited to tell her. I was like, thank you. Thank you for talking to me about the Lord all those times in the car. Because here's the thing. I hadn't been very open to it when she was doing it. I told her, you're so judgmental. You know, you're shoving this Jesus stuff in my face. Get out of here with your judgment and tell me what to do. Go mind your own business. And yet, she put up with that. And she was faithful. And she was kind. And she was persistent. And, and I was able to tell her over MySpace like eight years later, right? Thank you. And look at all that God has done in my life. And he used you to get me to this place. And you never even knew it. You thought all of your efforts with me were in vain, that all of your words fell on deaf ears, that it was just a waste of time. But God used your faithfulness in a way that you never realized. Guys, I just want to encourage you, be faithful in what God has called you to do. Respond to the word of the Lord as it comes to you. Respond to God's voice. You may never know all that God does through your obedience, through your faithfulness, all the ways that he uses you in the world or in other people's lives. But as you are faithful, God may use you in greater ways than you will ever see or ever fully realize. God is reminding Elijah of how Elijah responded to him in the past. He's saying, look, there's 7,000 people out there. You were faithful, and it wasn't in vain. Look what Elijah does next, verse 19. So Elijah departed, and he went from there. And he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. Elijah passed him by and cast his cloak on him. I kind of imagine this like, like when you kidnap somebody in the past, right? You just throw a blanket over them and then like put them in your car or something, right? I don't know. It's, I think it wasn't exactly like that, right? He puts his cloak on him as a way of communicating for some reason. This is how he communicated it, that you are going to be my apprentice. And 
so we're going to find out a lot more about Elisha in the weeks to come. But here's the point that you need to see here. Elijah responded to God's word by doing what God called him to do. You know, sometimes we talk about receiving Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. What does it mean to have Jesus be your Lord? Well, it means that you're submitted to him. You're surrendered to him. He's the captain of your ship. He sets the course. He steers the boat. For God to have lordship in your life, it means that you're surrendered to him. When he speaks, not only do you listen, but you respond. Guys, does God still speak today? I believe he does. He, he's still speaking through the scriptures. He's still speaking by his spirit. But I want you to bring your attention as we close to one final thing that the Bible has to say about God speaking. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, look at what it says in verses 1 and 2. It says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Guys, God's ultimate word to you, his ultimate message, his ultimate revelation of who he is, his message of how much he loves you and what he wants for your life, it is in Jesus. It is in Jesus. The writer of Hebrews goes on in that passage in verse 2 to say this. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What did God say to us, speak to us, by sending us Jesus? What does God speak to us through the life of Jesus? Well, first of all, he revealed to us who he is in the greatest possible way. Jesus was God with us, walking amongst us, speaking our language, walking our streets. If you want to know who God is and what God is like, then look at Jesus. The, the life of Jesus also speaks to us about how much God loves you and how much he cares for you, what he wants for your life. In Jesus, God became one of us to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He lived a life of perfect obedience to God. He died a substitutionary death in our place, taking the judgment for our sins. He defeated death in his resurrection to open up a way for us to have eternal life. What Jesus' life and death and resurrection, what it communicates to us is that God absolutely loves you. He loves you radically. He loves you deeply. And Jesus' life communicates what God wants for your life. He wants you to receive this gift of his grace. He wants you to be reconciled to him and be in a relationship with him. He wants you to take his hand and walk with him. Hearing God's voice involves expecting, receiving, and responding to what God says. Guys, God still speaks today. The greatest way God has spoken is through Jesus. And so my question for you today is this. Will you receive the word of God, Jesus Christ, his word for you? Will you receive him? And how will you respond? How will you respond? So as you go today, about your day, as you go throughout the next week, I want you to be thinking and pondering this question. How will I not only receive him, how will I respond to him and what he's done for me? Amen. You've been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com.